Welcome to Start to Finish, Exartizo Podcast, where we explore the scriptures to prepare and equip real people for real purpose. Here's your host, Dr. Christopher Romano. Hey guys, so great to be with you all here on the Start to Finish Podcast. I'm Dr. Chris, your host, and I'm very blessed that you're listening in today. I believe we have a fantastic episode in front of us that's going to serve you well and provide wisdom and strength for you in your walk with the Lord. Hey, as most of you are aware, I am the president of Vision Christian Bible College and Seminary. But more than the president, I also serve as one of the primary instructors in the Department of Biblical Studies and Theology. It's my conviction that every believer in Jesus need to cross over to becoming a disciple. The two are simply not the same thing. Now, a disciple is a disciplined learner or a student, a devoted and committed follower of Jesus. Disciples don't just mentally assent to certain doctrinal beliefs about Jesus, and disciples don't merely attend church on Sunday, but disciples wholeheartedly dedicate their entire lives to following him, to learn his word, to learn his ways, and also to learn his will. And at VCBCS, we are committed to producing disciples. So we treat each and every student with this core value in mind. At VCBCS, it's more than education. It's about preparation. And classes are designed to equip men and women, shaping their hearts and shaping their minds for the work that God has prepared for them to do. Now, a great example of this is Amber Rose Pond. Amber serves in youth ministry and is a worship leader at her church in Montgomery, Michigan. Amber has been taking classes for well over a year now, and it has really made a difference in her life and in her ministry. Let's listen in now as she shares about her experiences with VCBCS. I started to pursue Vision Christian Bible College because of the call of God on my life. I knew if I was going to truly become who God has created me to be, I needed to be equipped and trained. And Vision Christian has done that. It has gone beyond anything I could have imagined. It has really been a game changer in my ministry and my personal life. The classes are kingdom-based and it gives you a whole new view on the Word of God, and it opens revelation and deeper understanding of how to in- interpret Scripture and how to dig into the original Greek and Hebrew through the hermeneutics class. Um, as a youth pastor, one of the things that is important to me is that the kids see that this Bible is a living word and that it literally will change their lives if they allow it to. And so being able to apply the scripture to where they're at and meet them where they're at with um, the teachings of of Jesus and how it can be life-changing for them is so important to me. And Vision Christian has really helped me to sharpen those skills that God has placed inside of me. 
The classes have been challenging. My mentor has pushed me. He's really pushed me to dig deeper into the word as well as into myself to really seek God in some of the classes that I've had to take and to really become who God has created me to be. Vision Christian is different from most colleges because it takes the call of God on your life, your gifts, the the things that God has already placed inside of you, and it creates a path to equip and train you to walk out your purpose in this life. It's amazing. Well, we are so grateful for Amber and the many like her who have recognized the value in becoming a disciple. So for more information on the type of programs that we offer at VCBCS, please visit our website at vcbcs.org. That's vcbcs.org. Now, in today's episode, we are continuing our look at the presence of God. And in a minute, we will be exploring the aspect of God's presence that is typically referred to as his omniscience. But, But to start, I want to remind you, that this series is not intended to simply be an overview of the theology of God's presence because God's presence is not theoretical. And though much of the conversation about his presence tends to appear as very abstract, nothing could be further from the truth. God's presence is real, just as his word in Hebrews chapter four and verse 12 describes his word as living, active, or powerful. Um, so is his presence. His presence is real, living, active. It's powerful because his word is a mere extension of his person. And so like his word, his presence is available to be experienced. Now, think about this. How many of us regularly, continually encounter the presence of the Lord? How many of us truly sit at his feet? How many of us live with a consciousness of his nearness and of the proximity of his presence with us? And it's not just his presence with us, but even more, his presence in us. Because the, the truth of Christ's ascension to the right hand of the Father, it made way for the sending of his Holy Spirit to personally and powerfully live within us. God has made the life of a believing person a temple, a dwelling place of his presence. And my question to you is, are we conscious of that reality? Are you conscious of that reality? Are we stunned in awe and wonder that a perfect holy being would desire to make his home with an imperfect and constantly failing people? And then are we relating to him as he has made request and made provision for. So to have a relationship with God isn't just about learning some truths in the Bible. Um, like I said earlier, not just attending church like once a week and avoiding, avoiding certain kinds of bad behavioral tendencies. No, it's making personal contact with him each and every day. It's learning to value his presence. It's learning to discern his voice. It's, it's learning to enjoy his companionship. It's learning the rhythms of walking with him. I love those Bible verses that uh, speak of like men like Enoch and, and Noah and Abraham and Moses, that they walked with the Lord. Oh, how I want it to be said of me that I walked with the Lord. And 
So this is what this particular podcast series is after. It's about discovering truth in the scripture, but then experiencing that truth. It's about scanning the pages of sacred scripture to do more than just learn principles, but rather to see, to hear, and to experience the God of the scriptures. As a lover of the word, uh, do I want to know the text well? Do I want to study them responsibly? Absolutely. However, as a lover of God, my passion is to allow the scriptures to guide me on a straight path to the heart of God and there meet with him and allow the transforming, life-giving nature of his presence to reshape, renew, and reform me into who he has intended me to be, which is a living witness, an accurate representation of him, a sweet fragrance that is noticeable to a world that is so steeped in confusion, hopelessness, and longing. Now, last week, we began by speaking of the value of his presence. And there is nothing like the presence of God. His presence is to be the chief reference point for all of our lives so that we live from his presence and we live for his presence. Did you catch that? We live from his presence and we live for his presence. And these are two pillars that bring structure and stability for our lives. Let's start with this. We live from his presence. Acts 17 verse 28 declares that in him, we live and move and have our being. So we find our life in his presence. He is our source. I love Psalm 100, where the songwriter pens, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So when you read verses like this, we can take no credit for our existence. We can't puff our chest out in human pride as if we had something to do with our being alive in the beautiful complexity that is our human existence. We owe our entire life to him. We are his workmanship, Ephesians 2.10 says. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Colossians 1.16 says that by Jesus, all things were created through him and for him. And all things include you and me. We weren't just made by him. We were made for him. So we live from the truth that as our creator and our source, he is ultimately responsible for the air that we breathe and the life that we live. We live from the presence of of God. And the second pillar is that we live for the presence of God. And this is the active dynamic pursuit that should characterize that should characterize excuse me all of our lives as believers. We should be after the presence of God. We should be constantly in pursuit of the presence of God, seeking him longing to discover and longing to meet with him and to find him. And God says through the prophet Jeremiah that if you seek me, you will find me when you search for me with your whole heart. And so orienting ourselves around the living God should be as as natural and, and as normal as eating and drinking and, and speaking. 
I've heard this illustration uh, often about how the nation of Israel defined their lives by the presence of God that was in the tabernacle. They literally, they physically, literally encamped around his presence, ever conscious of where he was and what he was doing. They followed his presence in the wilderness, uh, a cloud by day and a fire by night. They were dependent upon his presence. Uh, God, every, every morning would provide them, provide them with the manna that they needed for, for sustenance. So every aspect of their life was to be arranged in a way that made Yahweh's presence central. Now, in many ways, this is our blueprint for living in the new covenant. As followers of Jesus, we are to abide in him, his word, and his presence. We're to make everything else peripheral to him so that we orient our entire being around our relationship with him, that he becomes our priority. What he says, we do. Where he leads, that is where we go. And as we said in last week's episode, this is where we were designed to live and also to thrive. Israel's success, if you look back uh, to the Old Testament, their success was tied to their allegiance to his presence. And consequently, their, their failure was also tied to their disloyalty to his presence. So the same is true for the church. Our devotion to him, our mindful of his presence, our sensitivity to his presence, uh, our responsiveness to his presence, it determines whether we walk in joy, peace, and experience victory. Uh, An abundant life that Jesus talks about in John 10, 10, an abundant life is a byproduct of concentrating our focus upon Jesus. It's the heart. I mentioned this last week. It's the heart of Psalm 27 and verse 4, where David uh, prays, dwelling, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, beholding his beauty, inquiring in his temple. Uh, it also reminds me of Psalm 16 and verse 8, where David again says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. And so we need to be convinced that making his presence supreme in our lives will be the greatest agent of transformation and spiritual growth. Now, for me, I think the reason why you're listening to this podcast is because you want to grow. There's a lot of other things you could do with your time, but the fact that you are devoting a half an hour of your week to listen to this podcast, to listen to good, solid Bible uh, teaching, you, you want to grow. You want to make progress as we often talk about, on that road from start to finish, from where you began in your relationship with Jesus to where you ultimately uh, will end up. So you want to move forward. You want to know him and his word in a deeper way, um, in a way that, like Amber talked about, makes a difference in your life and in your ministry, and, and you see the fruit of that. And I'm telling you, the greatest way to to have that experience is to live with a constant awareness and dependency upon his presence. So like I stated in last week's episode, as we study the subject of God's presence, um, there are lots of layers to it. There are so many, so many different uh, aspects to the presence of God. It's a large and it's an intricate topic and it spans really both the Old and the New Testament. So Uh, So what I want to do over the next several episodes is to cover this subject in pieces, hopefully providing kind of a scaffolding for all of you, 
uh, of sound biblical uh, teaching, but also a platform for personal experience. Again, I could say it every single week. I want you to learn the word. I want you to develop a love and affection for the word so that you can ultimately live the word out and experience uh, the results of it. So in the remaining portion of, of this episode, I, I want to cover what I believe is really, I think it's the necessary starting point for looking at the presence of God um, and what most people, or I should say most scholars and theologians refer to as the omnipresence of God, the omnipresence of God. Now, the omnipresence of God is one of the attributes of God that is often accompanied with a couple of other omni uh, attributes, uh, omnipotence and omniscience. So, so um, omnipresence, omnipotence, and omniscience. Now, don't get scared off by uh, those those three words. They they're really what form the basis of God's deity, of Him being God. Right? I mean, it is to say that God is omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient is is what really makes God, God. Um, theologians often refer to these three as his manifold perfections. Uh, it's where the essence and substance of God actually lie. So to keep it simple, his omnipotence is God as almighty or all-powerful. His omniscience is his ability to know all things and have perfect knowledge, wisdom, and insight. But his omnipresence is the unique ability for God to be everywhere present at all times. And again, this is what makes God, God and every other created being like, like you and me not. I mean, think by comparison, every human being who has ever lived comes short of these perfections. Man is limited in his power, in his knowledge and in his presence, although sometimes they like to, to think that's not the case, um, but it's the truth. But God, on the other hand, is not. And it's why he's worthy of our worship. It's why he's deserving of all of our praise. The scriptures say that um, comparing ourselves among ourselves is not wise. But when we measure ourselves before a holy, perfect, and transcendent God, uh, that's a surefire way to bring us to our knees and lead us to worship. So we should be doing that on a regular basis. Uh, basis, especially when you discover that this all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere-present God is for you, and he loves you perfectly. I mean, how incredible is that? You know, one of the, the unique features of biblical Christianity is that God is both infinite and personal. He's so big, he's so massive, he's great, he's greater than us, and he's greater than all that he has created, and yet he is accessible He's knowable, he's approachable, and he's personal. And he interacts with us as a person, not as a supreme, distant being that wants nothing to do with us. No, he is relational. And it's unbelievable to consider that when you study all of these perfect attributes of God. So let's focus on God as omnipresent. Now, to begin, the word omni simply means all. In other words, omnipotence is God as all-powerful. Uh, omniscience is God as all-knowing. So then omnipresence is God as all-present. 
it's, it's important to remember that when we speak of God as omnipresent, what we're doing is, is we're holding to the truth that he is eternal and he's not subject to space or time. God has no beginning and no end. He is, as we said, unlimited by time. Psalm 92, I'm sorry, Psalm 90 and verse two declares, before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. In Revelation 1 and verse eight, Jesus says of himself, I am the alpha and omega who is and who was and who is to come, the almighty. Now, alpha and omega, of course, form the bookends to the Greek alphabet. And they send a clear message to anyone listening that God is not bound by time. However, he's also not bound by space. And this is where his omnipresence comes into view. Renowned theologian Wayne Grudem rightly says concerning God's omnipresence that it proves that he is the Lord of space. (laughs) I like that. I like that a lot. Just as Jesus said he was the Lord of the Sabbath, meaning that he was superior to the ordinance and commandment to rest, he's also the Lord of space, or I'll put it a different way. He's the Lord of presence. And as Lord, he just simply cannot be measured by space or, or presence. And he cannot also be contained within it. In Deuteronomy 10 and verse 14, Moses announces, Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, also the earth with all that is in it. God likewise spoke through Isaiah when he declared, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. So within both of these statements, through Moses and Isaiah, God is affirming that his presence is both in heaven and on earth. Now, can that be rightly said of you or anyone else? No, of of course not. We can only be in one place at one time, but that's not the way it is with God. He is totally present everywhere in the seen and non-seen realms. So it's not that part of him is in one place while part of him is, is in another. No, his very nature is what fills both spaces. He is just as present to the unseen spiritual beings who occupy the heavenly realm as he is to you and me and everyone else here on planet earth. There is no place where God is not. He truly is everywhere. The classic, and to me, one of the most beautiful places to see this in scripture is in Psalm 139. I'm just going to be reading uh, a portion of that in verses 7 to 10, but David just beautifully and poetically expresses God's omnipresence when he says these words. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. There is nowhere in the entire universe, heaven, earth, land, sea, even in hell, where one can escape the presence of God. Now, for the believer, this is amazing news. 
This infinite, eternal, omnipresent God is pleased to be our father. He has pledged his unwavering love and devotion to us, proving it by the sending uh, and sacrifice of his son, Jesus. Romans chapter five talks about how God demonstrated his love toward us, that while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. So he proved his love for humanity by offering us Jesus as the perfect substitute for our sin. And um, as I'm recording this, we're in the beginning of the Advent season, which is a series, or I'm sorry, is a season of preparation and expectation that marks the hope of Israel's remnant prior to the first coming of the Messiah. And Jesus' first arrival 2,000 years ago, um, God shows forth his love and mercy for us. And when you can frame this truth in the context of the whole being of God, the God who is boundaryless, the God who is transcendent and not subject to time, the God whose mere presence fills the unseen space of heaven and everywhere on earth, it's just unthinkable. It's unfathomable. There truly is no one like him. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention an effort to provide a full sketch of the omnipresence of God that as much as it is good news for the believer, it's actually terrifying news for the unbeliever. Sometimes we search for words and modes of expression when we attempt to understand what the Bible is telling us concerning God and his presence among people who reject him. You know, in specific, many have been troubled in seeking to grasp how God can be present in hell if the very nature of hell is to be separated from the presence of God, or if an unbeliever's, if in an unbeliever's willful rejection of God, they are said to be distant or, or far from God, what exactly are we saying? Well, think of it this way. God manifests his presence in different ways for different reasons. In some places, his presence is there to bring judgment and others to bring blessing. He doesn't appear the same way uh, to one who is humbly surrendered to his word as he does to one who in his pride is stubbornly refusing to obey. Egypt did not receive the same reward as Israel. Saul was not at the receiving end of God's favor like David was. And people who die in an unbelieving state will not obtain the promised rewards of eternal life like those of us who have placed our trust in Jesus. So will God be present in hell? Absolutely. However, his presence is there to bring judgment and the final verdict of guilt and condemnation. And at the same time, he will dwell eternally with all believers in the new heaven and the new earth. He pronounced this in Revelation 21 and verse 3, where he says, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. So on that note, I really feel like it's important that we hold fast to the truth of Romans 10, verse 13, that says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And while most of you who are listening uh, are believers and, and presumably have cried out to the Lord and invited him in to be the Lord and Savior of your life, there could certainly be some who are listening here today who have not made that choice. 
And I'm here to announce to you that today is the day of salvation. Today is the right time to shift your view of God to one who loves you unconditionally and has made a way for you to be true, to, to be to be near him and close to him. And, and that, that way is through the person of his son, Jesus. Jesus is the way. He's the truth and he's the life and he's the only way to the Father. He's the only way to God. So don't fall prey to the lie that says eternal life is in your hands or in what you do or how good you are, how productive you are. No salvation is in grace or is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So today I implore you, if you haven't, please put your faith in Jesus and his finished work and in his love for you, the grace that he has been poured out to you. It's a free gift and you can receive that here today. Throw yourself on the mercy seat and find forgiveness and restoration. God's not far from you. Is he omnipresent? Yeah. Is he everywhere present at all times? Yeah. Does that blow our minds? Absolutely. But he's also here. He's near to you. He's present to deliver you, to heal you, to save you. And if you call to him, he will answer you. And my counsel to you here today is to do it. Do it now. Do it today. And then just keep calling on him. Do it regularly. Because I've been walking with Jesus now for well over 20 years. And I can tell you that every time I've called upon him, he has shown up. He has proven his word true. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, until he takes me home, I'm going to continue to call on him each and every day of my life. Well, that will do it for another episode of the Start to Finish podcast, another transformative, life-giving episode. You know, I believe so much in what we're doing here uh, on the Start to Finish podcast. And I'm so grateful for your investment, the fact that you carve out time uh, each and every week to listen into these episodes. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your giving of the giving of your time, for joining with me uh, as we journey together uh, on the road of Start to Finish. So before we close, let me just have a moment of prayer with you. Uh, Father, thank you for this, this time together. Thank you for this content as we are pressing in more and more to uh, understand about your presence so that we can value and prioritize your presence. God, we want to experience you. We want to know you. Uh, we want to encounter you. And we're so thankful that the same God who met Moses at the burning bush, the same God who revealed himself uh, to, to Abram uh, and gave to him the most unthinkable promise of uh, the, the, the blessing of the Gentiles being in his seed, uh, how you revealed yourself to, to David, how you revealed, you revealed yourself to, to women like Rahab and, and to women like uh, Esther and to women like Ruth. I mean, God, you're just, you're just such a personal God and you're intimately acquainted with all of our ways. And so for that, God, we're so thankful. And I pray specifically now for those who are listening in, I pray, God, that you would open up their hearts and their minds and their and their and their lives to to receive what you are giving to receive what you are offering them, uh, God. That they would sit at your feet. That they would make uh, provision early in the morning, late at night, all throughout the day. That a consciousness of your presence would be developed. That a a sense just just as we're aware of the people around us at our jobs or the people that are around us in our homes, we're, we're so we're, we're so aware of their presence, that God, we would be that aware of your presence and that we would just so value 
the fact that you love us the way that you do, the way that you commit yourself to us the way that you do. So I thank you, God, for my listeners. And uh, God, until next week when you bring us all back together, keep them, uh, strengthen them, give them the wisdom that they need so that they can follow you rightly. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Well, guys, listen, thanks so much again. Please remember uh, to subscribe to the show uh, if you haven't already so that you don't miss one single episode. And as always, let someone know. Uh, Let someone know about the great things that you are receiving and how it can be a blessing to them just as much as it's a blessing to you. So until next time, be well, be safe, and know that you are on the road from start to finish. I'll see you guys again real soon.